0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: The 170th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now.
0: From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. our oh, way to Worthy! Worthy it. 5! The Star Heels are going to win the National Championship! Weber court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. Of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out the head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Pump fake for three, too strong on the shot! That's it! The Tar Heels are the national Gagum champions! Love, guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. Getting you ready for Carolina and Indiana in the ACC Big Ten Challenge we're here to break down the matchup with the Hoosiers tell you a little bit about the opponent get you up to date on um everything re- regarding Carolina give our keys to the game and more but we start every edition of the pod as we always do with our pod thought of the day which is brought to you by DraftKings and today's is a little today's is a little sad um because we're, we're, we're using a, a quote from a guy that if you grew up in the Charlotte area, if you're a lifelong Charlotte Hornets fan, um, if you listen to sports radio here in Charlotte, whether it be at WFNZ where me and Anthony work at or when he was on the air at 7.30 of the game at ESPN Charlotte, uh, Jerry V was a Charlotte sports radio institution. Is a big reason why sports radio is even the thing that it is here in the local area. And uh, on Sunday morning, he he passed away after a 25-year battle with a, a heart condition that, um, you know, at some point he knew his heart was going to give out. And on Sunday, it finally did. And Jerry V was a guy that loved basketball as much as anybody Um. Really in this area, he he coached it, he broadcasted it, he talked about it in a way that was unique and insightful. Some of the verbiage that I use is a direct reflection of the way he talked about the game, the way he broke down the game. And one of his favorite quotes that he would always say and and, and post on social media was, Love the game and it will love you back. And uh, it really applies right now to where this team is. Because this team, after back-to-back losses and the Phil Knight Invitational, um, they're sitting here at 5-2, and and they clearly haven't met the expectation on the court so far this season. And a big reason why is they're not playing with any love or joy. It looks like they're doing chores out there. It It looks like it's a chore to go out there and rebound or a chore to execute their half-court offense or to close out on a three-point shooter. All the little things that this team did without question in March of last year and what they told us they were going to do from the word go this year. And for some reason, um, that promise hasn't been delivered upon. It's not time to panic, per se, because we did that last year and we, we saw how last year ended up, but... I do think that one of the things this team could benefit from is 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 love is is in love with the game, re-falling in love with the purpose, which is to win a national championship. And I think if they if they do that and they apply that to their practice and and, and their preparation, it'll translate onto the court, and we'll see a much more better, more fluid brand of Carolina basketball. Yeah, no, I definitely think that that's something that they have to get back to doing.
0: I mentioned that to you in the pregame, that I thought that this was a team that did not look like they were excited to play the other day. And, I mean, look, I I, I could not believe, by the way, that was the emptiest gym I have ever seen for a Tario basketball game in my life. Like, that was, I could not believe how few people were at that game. And... I mean, look. That's I guess that definitely plays a factor, but I, I, last year, you're right. It looked like this team was having so much fun with the game, and that's ultimately the big key to having success in the game of basketball. Because when you're not having fun, you're overthinking and that's what this team I think has done way too much of so far this year and they have to get back to just simplifying doing the little things that's another thing that our guy Jerry V talked about um and Jerry by the way you know we we had him on our show for the last year and a half plus um and truly he he was he was probably my favorite guest that we had on um He was just a dude that came on and loved talking basketball. Um, He was a Tar fan. He would talk to me about the Tar all the time, last year, even the year before, um, before he would go on the air because he knew what his purpose was there, was to come on and talk about the Hornets. Um, But as you said, he just had a way of looking at the game. And when he would give you his perspective, it was not only insightful, but it was entertaining there were so many different there were so many different things that he would say that would get you excited to watch whatever team he was talking about and i'm going to miss that immensely i'm going to miss talking to him before we used to ha- you know have him on every time and uh the city of charlotte will will definitely miss him because he was a legend in this city I, you know, people say, "Well, is that is you anoint that to people probably a little too easily?" No, he he really was. As you said, he pretty much started sports talk radio in this city, this station that we work at. He pretty much started it. It wasn't named WFNZ at the time, but without him, we we aren't here. So. I it was it's amazing the impact that he's had the amount of different people that he had on not not only here in Charlotte but in New Orleans um he did you know a bunch of stuff down there when the hornets moved and he was there for hurricane katrina he helped people through that so he well, just you know what an amazing man he was and a man that spoke so many wisdoms like the one that you brought up and ones that I think this team has to, you know, be better at. Dare I say, another one that he used to go to, this team needs to play with more hot peppers in the shorts.
1: Yeah, I think it's something that that, that Huber Davis has been the most frustrated with is that there's not a sense of hunger, desire, desperation when this team walks on the court. And they're going to need that in this game because they're running into a very, very good Indiana team, a team that – um, is is a lot better than I thought they would have been under Mike Woodson, who was an NBA lifer, goes back to his alma mater, uh, and in, in just a and just a season has restored Indiana basketball back to where it should be. They're ranked number ten in the country. They come in with a perfect six and and0 record, um, having steamrolled most of their opponents so far outside of, outside of a close win against Xavier. They've got three guys averaging double figures scoring, led by All American candidate Trace Jackson Davis who's averaging 18.8 points, 8 rebounds, and shooting – a ridiculous 76% from the field. You also got Xavier Johnson, averaging 11 points, 3.8 assists, 4.0 or 3.8 rebounds, 4.8 assists. He's shooting 58% from the floor and 67% from three. And then you got Malik Renault, who is uh, averaging 10.7 points, 4.7 boards. He's shooting 64% from the field. Overall, they've got eight guys averaging seven and a half points per game or better. So a lot like James Madison, a balanced offensive attack. They're averaging 88.8 points per game, which is eighth best in the country. Their offensive rating is 123.7 according to Sports Reference College Basketball. That's the second best in the country. And they're shooting 56% from the field, which is number two in all of college basketball and 63% from inside the three-point line, which is somehow only fifth in the country, but uh, it's pretty evident that Carolina is going on the road in a building they haven't had a whole lot of success in, and they're running into a offensive butthole that has the potential to effectively run Carolina out of the gym if they don't come ready to play. By the way, how dare you
0: disrespect one of the best coaches in recent memory for the New York Knicks, by the way. I, ca- I had told you that he was a hell of a Coach and every time you would always Bash him now he's showing you at Indiana but in all seriousness I mean look Trace Jackson Davis We we knew it last year This dude can play and when He came back we knew that They were set up to be a really Good team the thing that's scary About them as you mentioned they got Three guys that are averaging double Figure scoring but their scoring Is spread out Very well throughout their roster There are a lot of different guys that can hurt you. And that's the thing that Carolina, I think, has to be aware of in this game. You can't just count on Leaky Black to take one guy out of the game and live with whatever anybody else does. The This is a team that is balanced, very similar to the team you just played. So you're going to have to be prepared to try to take away everything. And, yeah, they're they're a heck of an offensive team. And this is a team right now on the defensive end of the floor that isn't horrible, but they're coming off of three games in a row where they really didn't play all that well. They've got to stay in front of the basketball in this game because if you allow Indiana to just blow by you, it's going to be a long, long night in Bloomington, a place that, as you mentioned, you have really struggled historically in. Luckily, won't have to go there much moving forward, unless you're scheduling this one separately with the ACC Big Ten Challenge being eliminated. But this is this is an extremely tough game for Carolina, no doubt about
1: it. And Carolina comes in with the five and two record. They fell from number one in the AP poll all the way down to number eighteen. That seventeen positional drop in the poll is the largest drop in the history of the AP poll, which has been around since the 1940s for um, college basketball. And here are the numbers with Carolina-Indiana. Uh, it's one of the few programs the Tar Heels have a losing record against all time. They're just 6-9, and nine, which isn't nice against the Hoosiers. The third most games against the, an opponent, which UNC does not have a winning record against. They are 2-4 and four on the road, including 2-2 two and two in Assembly Hall. The last time these two teams met, was in the ACC Big Ten Challenge in Bloomington, which Indiana won 76-67 to in a game that wasn't as close as that final score indicated. Of course, that team would go on and win the national title. Uh, this is the fourth of the last five times these two teams have met in Bloomington, the, older, the only other non a uh, game that was played in Assembly Hall was that 2016 East uh, East Regional Suite 16 game, which Carolina won on their way to the Final Four. Against Indiana in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, Carolina is 1-3. They did win in Assembly Hall in 2004 and 2005, a year they would go on to win the national title, but lost at home in 2001, and they lost on the road in 2012 and 2016. As you mentioned this is the ACC Big 10 Challenge which Carolina is just 11 and 12 all time in the event and just 3 and 7 all time on the road and it was announced yesterday by the by by the ACC that this is the final year of the event um and it's big mainly because of the Big 10 signing a TV contract with CBS, NBC and Fox is a big reason why this thing is coming to a close because Big Ten games will no longer be broadcasted on ESPN. And now with that, the ACC inked a new deal and a new challenge. That with the SEC, which in recent years has really upped its level of play on the basketball court. And I think, you know, for those of us that watch college basketball game in, game out, we're we're ready for something new, something fresh, but... This will be something that a a a diehard like me will miss because this thing always delivered. You always got great big time matchups, and even though the SEC has 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 improved as a basketball conference, there's just you know there's no guarantee it'll deliver the same drama. Although this does guarantee that more often than not, Carolina and Kentucky will play, which is also good for the sport of college basketball. Well,
0: well, here's the thing. Yeah, it pretty much guarantees that every other year Carolina is going to play Kentucky because it's going to be a rotation between Carolina and Duke, whoever plays Kentucky. And then for for, for Carolina, I would probably expect Tennessee to be the other team.
1: They will
0: will probably play nobody else. Yeah, Arkansas, yep, with the way that they were recruiting, you would expect they could stay up there. Maybe an occasional Alabama if Nate Oates remains there and keeps doing the things that he's doing. Other than that, that, and that's the thing, I I mean, look, either way, Carolina was going to probably continue to play the same teams. They've done it in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. It seems like they have played either – Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana, or Iowa when they were good. Other than that, I mean, who else has Carolina played? They may have had Illinois in there at one point, but it's 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 rare that they mix it up. So that it's probably going to be much of the same when it comes to the ACC SEC challenge. I can't wait till the year where they mistakenly schedule Carolina against Kentucky twice not realizing it with the CBS Sports Classic. I would imagine at some point that will happen. They will try to double them up, something like that. Um because I mean in terms of TV revenue, that's the thing, that's the thing about the SEC that I think you would probably be more concerned about when it comes to this challenge. The SEC, I mean, how deep is the SEC in terms of really good teams? I think right now they've got four. Um you know, Florida's been one of those teams that's kind of ebbed and flowed. Other than that, I, I don't really think there's anybody else where the Big Ten had some pretty solid depth to it, um, especially in recent years. So we'll we'll, we'll see how it works out. Um, but you know, this one it's kind of it's kind of fitting that this is the game that. Closes up the ACC Big Ten Challenge history um, between two, probably the two most storied programs in the two conferences, honestly, I would say easily the two most storied programs in each of the two conferences. Um, It's just, you know, it's coming on a year where Indiana right now in a rhythm, but part of that is because they haven't really played anybody great. You mentioned it. The one team that they did play that's probably a tournament team is Xavier. Um, They did beat them, so they deserve credit for that. But outside of that, they haven't really played anybody of significance, so Carolina's got a tough test on their hands to close out the ACC uh, Big Ten Challenge.
1: Yep, and they're going to need to play arguably their best game of the season so far to come out of Assembly Hall with the W. Carolina right now has four players averaging double-figure scoring, led by Caleb Love at an even 20 points per game, 4.9 boards, 3.4 assists, but doing so on just 42% shooting from the field, 25% shooting from behind the three-point line. Armando Bacot is second on the team with 16.7 points per with 11.3 rebounds. He's shooting 57%. R.J. Davis is third on the team in scoring at 15.7 points, 4.9 rebounds, 3.1 assists. He's shooting 39% from the field and just 28% from behind the arc. And then Northwestern transfer Pete Nance is fourth on the team in scoring with 11.9 points. Five rebounds. He's shooting 53% from the field and 42% from three. Uh, Some numbers where Carolina is pretty high nationally is just right now the free throws. They're eighth in made free throws per game at 19.7 and they're 10th in free throws attempted 26.3. And, uh, um, You know, uh, another thing that they do have going for them in this game is they do expect to have Armando Baycott and Leaky Black available. Both guys, uh, they they, they did get banged up in the loss on Sunday against Alabama, Um, and it was really evident with Armando Baycott where he just took himself out of the game. Um, Leaky Black also took him; had to be removed from the court, but was able to return. And a lot of that was because of the adrenaline that was flowing through his body. Didn't yep. know what he was feeling. Where with Armando, it was it was significant. Um, you know, we saw this happen with him last year against Kansas in the final, but in a national title game, you're not coming off the court. In a game like this, it was smarter for him to not be on the court and play the game for the, and play for the long haul. But, you know, it it, it does feel like Carolina has dodged a bullet with those two guys because right now it's very well known. They lack depth through up and down this roster. So that will be a boost for a team that is going to go on the road in a hostile environment looking for some answers to some questions that exist. And when we come back – uh, we'll, we'll try to give our keys to the game and try to find some answers for Carolina. But first, we're going to get you this week's ad from DraftKings right here on the.
0: As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The bacon ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Four Corners podcast the NBA back right season after this. is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Nick fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys, right now everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to DraftKings Go, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. So whether you're betting on just a straight-up win or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have or how many rebou- or rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have. You can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, Use the promo code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any on, on any NBA team to win their game and get a $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great evangelistic offers. I've been giving you on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Uh, we we have three keys that we're gonna get to, but I only wrote down one because only one really matters. Oh, and boy. and the first one is this: the, the, they've got to defend, and that's Dang. something that they. I, I thought I thought it was gonna be rebounding. No, that's gonna be the third key. Oh, okay. Um, if this team doesn't defend, they're gonna get blown out. And, and I, I don't like being, you know, a Debbie Downer, a negative Nancy. No, you th- would never. This Indiana team, th- the reason why they've excelled so much is because Mike Woodson has brought his NBA principles to the college game. And it has blended and meshed with that talent. And that's why their offense is at a complete and utter different level. And I, I, I saw some of their their, their game against Xavier They're going to run some stuff that Carolina is going to have a hard time defending. Same thing that Portland did. And the thing about Indiana is, you know, they haven't played since the day before—or no, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So they'll have almost five days to prepare for this game. That means they have a lot of time to go through that film— that Carolina put on the court in Portland, and a lot of it wasn't very good. You look at the Portland game, and you look at that Iowa State game, those two teams screened them to death, and they overwhelmed them on that end of the court with their screen action. A lot of what the NBA does, even though it's an isolation league, there's a lot of pick and rolls, and they do a lot of screening to isolate their guys on the court in their spots. You can expect a lot of that in this game. I thought the one thing Carolina did really well in the four overtimes against Alabama was I thought they defended the ball really good, considering that half the team was playing with four fouls. Mm-hmm. To not foul out, I thought was pretty significant. That they play, they showed a they displayed a level of toughness that they could get into stance, guard their man, and not foul. This is going to be. a a challenge because there's eight different guys that can put the ball in the basket, so they're going to come at you in waves. And we've seen Carolina at times come out lackadaisical defensively. They're not closing out. They're not running back. They're not communicating. They're not switching properly. They're doubling when they shouldn't. If all those things kind of snowball into one thing into another, that could be a very fun podcast when we come back to recap Th- this game because this 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 Indiana offense displays a level of firepower Carolina hasn't seen so far this season and probably won't see the rest of the way moving forward. Well, if that if that recipe P that you just laid out actually happens,
0: this game will be over by the under twelve timeout. I, I I have no doubt in my mind that it will be because and and one of the biggest things you talked about they they struggle. Early on I mean yeah To a certain extent They do I mean we've seen it You know Portland shot Extremely well From beyond the arc In the first half James Madison did as well uh, Earlier in the season This team The biggest area That they have to show up Defensively The start of that second half You gotta come out Playing with Some intensity Cause I've thought Coming out of halftime Defensively This team has been Downright pathetic at times, where they cannot get—I mean, look—they're getting stops, but you're not—you're you're then allowing an offensive rebound. There's times where you are just letting guys drive right by you. Carolina has got to prevent that from happening in this game. You mentioned it—they're going to get—they're going to get screened as much as they probably have the entire season. So communication is going to be key. That has not been a strong suit for this team early on I, I mentioned it I thought you know before the other day one of the biggest issues that Carolina had was that they would not switch on screens they were trying to get Leaky Black to stay on the same guy that he was supposed to be on um, no matter what he would go and and that would usually result in him going under a lot of screens creating space Carolina's got to be able to communicate as well as they have the entire season in this game and take away what Indiana does best. But to me, when it, when it comes to the way that they defend, it, it, it all starts with stopping the ball. If they allow them to drive the lane in this game, then Carolina does not have much of a chance to slow them down offensively. And look, there were times late last year where you would say, okay, well, Carolina can probably match them on the other end. If this is just that efficient of an offense, we may have to live with what, you know what they do on the defensive end. Carolina needs to bring the best effort that they've brought all season on the defensive end because right now, what we're seeing on the offensive end, you could say whatever you want about what the team was doing in overtime the other day. One of the biggest things, I, I said it when we were recapping the game that night, I think one of the most frustrating things about this team that we've seen so far this year is there is never a time where this team can seem to string together three, four, five straight good possessions that result in baskets. It is always either one one basket, then when they come back down, turnover, bad shot, something goes amiss, whatever or may, they they may get to two, Carolina's got to be able to defend on the other end to counteract the fact that they just don't have the ability to take over a game offensively right now.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that's where we go for the second key. Carolina's half-court offense has got to start figuring out who they are and their identity, and a lot of it is... Is is a combination of poor shot selection. Um, that's something that Caleb Love continues to struggle with. RJ Davis's shots, you know, his percentages aren't pretty thirty nine percent and twenty eight percent from three. I like the looks he's getting though. Um, I haven't been as frustrated with the shots he has taken as I've been frustrated with the shots Caleb has taken. And I know many people were mad he shot the ball 36 times the other day, but a lot of it was out of his control because Armando Baycott and Pete Nance are just so indecisive. They're so they, – they they've been soft with the ball. They've been turnover-prone at times to where Huber Davis would, would, would much rather put the ball in his guard's hands. And let them figure it out. I think the biggest reason why this offense is struggling in the half court is because I think Pete Nance wants to be a perimeter player, and that's not who he is. And I know it's not sexy to play three or round two, and I know it's not sexy to throw the ball onto the post, but that's when he's at his best now they've got to do a much they' got to find a way to have them both on the block and space the floor. That's the biggest reason why Hubert Davis brought in this this new offense was to open up the court for his guards to drive and get to the rim. but I think a lot of it is just from the fact that he's not comfortable. And in basketball, when one guy's disconnected, everybody's disconnected. And they've got to find a way to get him connected and in rhythm and in a flow because Leaky Black's been the best, most reliable offensive player, Um, and that's 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 good for him, and it's not good for, for Carolina's offense because there's no way, shape, or form he should be your most reliable offensive target. He should be your fifth option when he's on the court. And so I think that's something where over the, these last three days, that's something that you would imagine is being worked on and being grilled on. Um, I do expect to see more of Puff Johnson on the court with the starters. He played 48 minutes the other night, and it wasn't all because of foul trouble. I, I think – Hubert Davis was letting him get back into a rhythm, get his conditioning up after coming off the injury. I mean, he's only played in now four games, so he, he missed a, you know the first three games of the year. And I think you saw the other night with him on the court, they're a different team. Um, the issue is that they are somewhat limited on offense because he's not an offensive threat like Leakey. You're not running offense for Puff. But he's a guy that will go get an offensive rebound. And he's another ball handler, and he's a guy that can do a lot of things in a lot of different ways for you on offense, but they've got, they're not going to solve all their issues in this game. But if they come out and they look as abysmal as they looked in Portland in the half court, it's going to be really really hard to envision this team winning and it's not just the guards it's a 1 through 5 where they've got to they've they've got to start coming together and until that happens this offense will continue to be the inefficient clog it's been to start the year well certain guys have to get looks i mean can we get puff johnson
0: the ball at some point here i'm not saying you have to run your offense through him but the fact that he never touched the ball a single time on the on your end of the floor know, in, in the overtime periods, is mind blowing. I, I mean, I just, I could not believe the fact you are literally taking a a guy out of the game, playing five against four. That makes no sense. And to be honest with you, how many touches did Leakey have outside of the one shot that he knocked down? Like the the offense, the offensive sets did not make any sense in the overtime. And to be to be honest with you, it wasn't even just the overtime. That second half was maddening watching this team play. It was high ball screen and just one one thing that made absolutely no sense. This was pointed out by one of the guys here at the station when I was talking about the game with him. You get the high ball screen, and it would seem like Caleb would almost wait until the defender would come to him to decide what he was going to do. That, I mean just go either go to the basket or create enough space and take a shot. That's the most frustrating thing. He took way too many first way too many floaters from the foul line. Dude, they weren't going. You got to find something else to do with the basketball. Take it to the rim. We have seen that's where this team has been most successful the entire season when they've gone to the basket and they haven't done it. The other thing though is you you're right, the big men have not done enough to earn the trust yet. But here's the thing, you got to learn to I mean I mean at this point you have to trust Armando and Armando has to be able to run the screen and roll like he did last year. It just it has to be there or I mean I it's it's hard to say you can't have him on the floor because you've got to have your big men involved in some way. Right now the offense that this team is running is not working. This is not a team. They are first they are not in a rhythm from behind the arc to be able to shoot as as much from back there as they have over the last two games. And I I, I think it, it's just as simple as find a way to get easy baskets. Do the things that you were doing a year ago. Cause this offense that they're running right now is nowhere near what we saw last season. It's and it's extremely noticeable. You need guys that are less selfish. And the other thing is, can we see? Guys have to move without the basketball. Way too much in that last in in overtime. You saw guys standing around the entire possession on the offensive end of the floor. You have to move without the basketball if you want to get the basketball to create action. For the guy that is handling the ball, you have. In order to do any of that, you have to be moving without the basketball. And this team, this offense, is as stagnant of a Carolina offense as I can remember in a long, long time.
1: The last key for Carolina to win the game is they they've got to control the backboard. They they come in they averaging forty point four rebounds per game. Indiana 38.3, and and the reason why this is a key is because when Roy Williams' teams of the past were having their offensive issues in November, and that was very frequent even for teams that would go on and play really good offense in February and March, the best way they combated that was they they were just relentless on the offensive glass. And created so many second looks that, you know, they, they were just generating points in, in that department. And I feel like if Carolina can start doing that and start getting points in the quote unquote special teams area where you're getting points off the fast break, you're getting points off of turnovers, you're getting second chance points, it'll breathe life and energy into the offense. But you know if 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 you control the boards, you can control the pace. And there aren't many times I go into a game saying I'm scared to run with an opponent, and I don't think Carolina should not try to run with an opponent. They don't need to try to run with Indiana, because they did that in 2017 and they got ran out of the gym. They did it back in 2012, and that game was over at the under 16 timeout. If it, you know for for for, for all for for all things being considered there. So I feel like Carolina's got to be dominant in this department. They've got to be relentless. Armando Baycott has come to into his own as a rebounder, 11.3 per game. The guards are doing their job. At some point, Pete Nance has got to be the rebounder in the Big Ten in the ACC. He's got to put up that type of production, have that same type of energy, effort, and toughness, to go get the ball. Same, and and then for Carolina's guys off the bench. That's probably the reason why Puff is the guy that will come off the bench first if he doesn't start is because he's such a great rebounder. But if Styles done, Trimble, if those guys want to play more, that's an area in the game that 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 they could contribute. I f- I felt like going into you know the the game the game in Portland against Alabama. If Carolina won the rebounding margin, they'd win the game. They lost it by four. They lost the game as a result of it. I feel like in this game, Carolina's got to win the rebounding margin, and if they do, they give themselves a much a much better chance to leave Assembly Hall with a W.
0: Well, this is why it's so big that you got Armando and Leakey in this game. Those are your two leading rebounders, and it's by a significant margin. So. Carolina really needed those guys to play. Look at the two games that Carolina has probably played the best this season offensively. It was against James Madison, their best rebounding game of the season, and it was against Portland. That they They rebounded very well in both of those games. They created some of those quick opportunities down the floor, and I get what you're saying. Running with with Indiana is dangerous, but you need to I, I think you need to do it to a certain extent. You have to pick your moments though. and but in order to do that, you have to rebound the ball well on the defensive end of the floor, and it's got to be for 40 minutes, or however the hell long this game goes. because to me, I, I, I've, I've said it, I said it earlier. This team coming out of the locker room after halftime, especially the first four minutes of the half, they have just been out hustled. And in a in a lot of the in a lot of those games, it has set the tone for the opponent to be able to storm back in the second half and either pull away or keep themselves around in games, that's pretty much what we've seen from a lot of teams. It's kept them around. When Carolina could have come out, if they get defensive rebounds, they probably have a decent cushion, and it probably results in them winning the game. So, rebounding is the key to everything with this team. It is more more evident than ever with this year's team. If this team does not rebound, and it's on both ends of the floor, but especially – on the defensive end, if they do not rebound, it is as simple as they as that. They will not win this game. They have to come out and play one of their best games on the glass. You need to see some guys that are dominant. The thing that's scary is we don't know how what what is Armando Baycott going to be. I there's no chance that he's hundred percent. So are we gonna see an Armando that can give you 12, 14 boards even? Maybe not be as dominant as we saw against James Madison, but give you a decent amount of rebounds? Or is this going to have to be another one of these games where the guards step up, where Leakey steps up, where Pete Nance takes a step forward, and where some of these guys off the bench, primarily Puff, also are able to chip in? Either way, Carolina has to find a way. To, I don't even think. I, I don't think it's just win the rebounding battle. I feel like they have to have a pretty decisive margin on the glass, probably plus seven or better to win this game.
1: They enter the game with just a nineteen point seven percent chance to win. They will go to Assembly Hall, five point underdogs, and I think Indiana's going to win the game. Um, and th- this was. A lot of it is just to do, when you look at the history of Carolina in that building, doesn't go very well. But it's also just very evident that right now Carolina is working through some things. They're not the team that I think we thought they were going to be to start the season. And it'll ultimately be okay if they round into form come February, March into April when the season really matters, a lot of it is the opponent. Indiana's really good. Um, and this would, you know, not that any loss is really is, is a good loss, but if, if they lose, they'll lose because they lost to a really good basketball team. And that's what Indiana is. I think Carolina will compete because they competed, I thought, really hard against Alabama. They competed against Iowa State. I just... I just think right now with the offensive woes and the inconsistency in rebounding at times doesn't favor very well. And I do think the Tar Heels will drop a third straight game on Wednesday night. Unfortunately,
0: I'm with you. Uh, This is a place that, even Carolina's best teams have struggled to go in and win in because it's it's just that daunting of a task. And now, especially with the way that this team is playing, you mentioned it, they competed against Iowa State. They competed against Alabama. Well, Indiana's better than both of those teams. So I think it will be a close game. I think it will be very similar to the games that we've watched here uh, You know, in the last – few days. I think Carolina will fight all the way to the end, but I think when it comes winning time, there will just be too many mistakes. I'm concerned that the offense is going to bog down again, and I think that Indiana will have just enough. And one of the other things that concerns me, and one of the reasons I can't pick Carolina, if there was more consistent scoring off the bench, I would feel more confident in this team. This team does not Have bench scoring right now. They've got Puff Johnson, and at this point, I mean, he's pretty much almost a hybrid starter. They need other people to emerge off the bench because right now, in terms of how deep they go offensively, it's six guys. Even on the defensive end of the floor, you probably feel confident, as we've seen Hubert Davis you know, do so far this year, he plays about seven or eight guys in a game. Carolina does not have the depth, I think, to keep up in this game with a team, as you mentioned, that has eight guys that can score the ball On the offensive end of the floor, I think Carolina falls just short.
1: Well, no matter what happens, we'll have you covered on HeelToughBlog.com where you can go back and check out all the coverage from the Phil Knight Invitational. Every game was previewed. Every game was recapped. And I'll be doing the same for the Indiana game. There will be a preview posted and a recap posted the same night of the game as Carolina's basketball season marches on. As for the football side of things, go back Check out Carolina's or check out our coverage from Carolina's disappointing defeat to NC State to close out the regular season. But we've now turned our attention to Saturday's ACC title game. Mac Brown updated the status of some key defensive players for Saturday's game. There's an article up about that as well. And, sh- and later on in the week, Anthony will be getting you ready for the contest with the Tigers. As for the podcast, you guys know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast, and we will pop up. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast, but most importantly, we want you to hit that subscribe button. Um, that way, you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the duration of the college basketball season. Well, with that, is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels. doesn't get any sweeter than that